Hello and welcome back to the Cock and Ball podcast, uh, a weekly look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from White Hart Lane to Seven Sisters. Or is it? We're normally weekly. We've done something a bit different this week. We've decided to get uh, a bit more of a, a live reaction. We're going ablib off script uh, after our 2-1 loss to Liverpool. Uh, and that's if we can prize uh, Ash's phone out of his television. Uh, <laughs> joining me tonight, as I've just mentioned, is of course this podcast answer to, well, Steve Mabronk. It's Ashley. Good evening, lads. Good to be back. And also with us is our podcast answer to Thomas Tuchel. It's Jules. I'll take that one, mate. Cheers. How you doing? I think that was a hairline. Well, well, thank you. Jules. And also, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jules. <laughs> and also joining us is uh, the man who keeps us firmly within the law, uh, a certified journalist. Um, and the podcast answer to, well, Stockport County. It's Jim. <laughs> evening, gents. So like I say, something totally new for us, uh, getting a bit of reaction immediately after a game. Uh, we're all feeling a little bit salty, uh, and also Jim is here. Let's go through this chronologically. Um, I thought our lineup was quite interesting to start with, and more so the formation. We talked about it in uh, the preview t- in the last part. It was interesting to see a, what looked to me uh, a four-four-two with um, Bergbaden and Sizoko on the wings to start with. Uh, Firstly, Ash, going from that formation and into the start of the first half, do you think it was the right setup? I am never really comfortable with Sissoko on the right. I knew we were going there to, to sit, which is fine. And in the context of Mane being an absolutely world-class player, I get it. But when we're trying to play on the counter-attack and we've got a winger who can't dribble without running into somebody and hoping, that, hoping for the best, it probably wasn't the greatest idea. And, Thankfully, Jose saw that. Um, what I did take away from it was if he's comfortable enough starting the Chelsea in the centre of the park next to Hoiberg against Liverpool, who knows? Maybe we can start Mbembele above him in the number 10 role and we can see him play together finally. I thought, um, yeah, I'd agree. Sissoko being out wide didn't seem to suit him um, in the middle of the pitch. That's where you take fewer touches because there's more pressure on the ball. Um, and that suits Sissoko because you don't want him taking many touches. I mean, Chelsea switched over and moved out in the second half and I thought he was more effective there. But I think he kind of encapsulated the, both the goals in the, in the first half, didn't he? Because the first goal was arguably comes from him losing his man in a runner because he's not a, a natural defensive midfielder like Sissoko. But he also then plays a fantastic through ball for our goal. So he, he kind of cost us one and got us one. What do you think about Son starting in the middle, as it were? I was quite happy with it. I'm not against a, a kind of quasi four four two when we're defending. I think that's probably the most pragmatic way of defending against a team as good as that. But when they've got fullbacks that push up so high, to then try and counterattack quite centrally, I thought was a bad idea. I think they tried to pick on the fact that Liverpool weren't playing a recognised centre back, but Fabinho is a He's just a different beast, isn't he? You can play him anywhere on the pitch. He's an absolutely class footballer. It's so like, frustrating. I, it's, I, I, it sounds weird. That's one of the first, for me, Fabinho and Wijnaldum just showed the, the, the level that they can, they can step to. I agreed with Sandpoint, really, about 4-4-2 being quite pragmatic. I've, I think I've made my thoughts on 4-4-2 clear many times. I generally hate it. But when you're trying to keep out a team as good as that, it gives you two clear lines, which makes it difficult to defend against. But the thing you rely upon with doing that is being absolutely perfect. And I I felt that 
at times, particularly in the first half, there was just a little bit of scruffiness about the way that Spurs tried to, first of all, retain possession of the ball and then the transitional phases weren't quite right and trying to win the 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 ball back was it wasn't sort of terrible there was nothing particularly wrong but there was a little bit of edge missing and when you're playing against a side as good as that you just can't you can't get away with it and then the problem is because you're then 4-4-2 and you're kind of camped in out of the ball it's difficult to then be a kind of reflexive enough to 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 have the out ball and come back out again and I think that's where the problem lay really particularly in the first half I think what Kane and some were most concerned about and I don't blame them was the the threat of not having centre backs to actually play against. You're actually playing against two well, a youngster who's very good on the ball and a very, very good ball playing central midfielder uh, as a centre back. And I think they were slightly drawn to them because from a defensive formation, we talked about the pragmatism of the four four two. You needed your two forwards to kind of put a bit of pressure on the centre backs, which meant in those transitions when we were winning the ball, our forwards were in quite central positions. And it wasn't until uh, Son managed to peel off a centre-back and in behind another full-back that obviously we actually saw some sort of fruit in the first half uh, and that was the closest we came to any sort of form of fruit that said there was a five-minute spell in that first half where we had 96 oh sorry Liverpool had 96% possession which for me is disastrous but you, you stole the, something that I was hoping that nobody else would mention there. But yeah, I think it was between the 38th and 43rd minute. Spurs had 4% possession. That is unbelievable. And then the same, well, not the same, but similar happened in the second half, which I'm sure we'll get to, where between, I think, the 60th and 65th minute, Spurs had only 15% possession. Uh, and it was interesting, when we were chatting on the group chat during the game, I said, that goal's been coming. And I think you agreed with me, Fen, and Ash didn't and I understand why but from my perspective when I said it was coming it was because Liverpool had so much of the ball and were playing so positively and making nice little triangles and pressing so well uh, that it meant that Spurs just couldn't get a handle on I'm not anything. and that's 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 not even Spurs yeah. playing badly it just means as long as your opposition as long as your opposition has such a handle on the game there is very, very little you can do to get out. I'm, I, I understand the point that you're making, but the one thing I'd say is that, you know, arguing about possession when Mourinho doesn't have interest in having the ball passively is, is a little bit ir- irrelevant because if we're not competing to have the ball, then, then it's kind of null and void. Like, con- well, it, concept, it, right? is, it, and, it is, but... It, well, it but if, becomes... if, if, we, if we just sit off, if, if we make a tactical decision that we're not going to leave a certain low block then them having the ball in other areas isn't that relevant. And when I looked at the chances across the match, all the big chances, all, like all of the chances, which are significant created chances, chances where you are probable to score, where you have a high, high chance to, were all Spurs in, in the game. Liverpool had a lot of semi-chances, shots from 25 yards. That, you know, at the end of the day, their first goal, yes, it was coming in terms of there was pressure and, and that's undeniable, I completely agree. But it's also a very unlucky deflection which loops in. Like, well, I, well, made a point to Jim, I made a point in the group chat that it's all well and good that they had the ball and from that point of view, you can say, yes, the goal was coming. But before that goal, I could only think of one chance where Lloris was actually forced into making the save or 
there was like an amazing last bit of uh, last ditch defending, which was that seller chance where he just basically passed it back to Lloris. So I, I, I appreciate that they had a lot of the ball and um, Liverpool are a really good side anyway, but we, looked them, we made them look amazing because we allowed them the space in front of us to have the ball. But there's a difference, and Mourinho manages it a lot, there's a difference between having control of the ball and having control of the game. And in that moment, I didn't think we weren't, we didn't have any control in the game. I thought that we had, um, we, you know, we were holding our own at that point. And it, it took a massive piece of luck for them to get through at the end of the day. I don't think it's luck. I'm sorry. <laughs> I see Jim's trying to try and find a balance here, but I'm just going to be firmly on, on the other side of Jules and Ash. I love you both. I think <laughs> you're wrong. But the chances that they had were actually very good, in my opinion. If you're getting the ability to have very good shots on target, which they had at least three before they got a goal, then there's clearly an issue there. So Ash is right. We didn't have control of the game. It just so happens that up until that point, Mane and Salah, well, probably for the whole game, they didn't have their shooting boots on. And if they did, we could have been 3-0 down before Son had even looked at a break up the other end of the pitch. So I think it's I partly due to where Suzuka was playing. I, I saw on Twitter... Um... On the one hand, Jose will say, well, this game was set up for the way that, you know, we, we played the game the way, the way we wanted to, but he, he would say there is an inherent risk in what you're doing because what you're assuming is that the opposition don't have shooting boots on from 25 yards. But it's, uh, well, just to kind of wrap this point up a, a bit, I think where I'm more with Fen on this, you mentioned there not having the ball and deliberately choosing to play out of possession. That is a perfectly reasonable tactic to have, particularly when you are a team that is not quite as good as your opposition. And let's be brutally honest, Spurs are not quite as good as Liverpool. That's not a controversial thing to say. But when you have 4% of the ball, there's, there's not having the ball in, in inverted commas, and there's literally not having the ball. And that means you don't have an out ball and therefore you have no process of getting out. So it doesn't matter that Liverpool's chances weren't amazing. Spurs had nothing to stop the wave coming again and again and again until that chance did go in. Just on kind of XG and on this thing, the thing you mentioned before, Jules, about all the best chances coming from Spurs, it's true, but it just goes to show the fallacy of stats because the best chances did go to Spurs, but Spurs didn't win the game. So it doesn't matter in the end because surely you could apply that to the possession stats as well surely that's a fallacy as well because yes they had a lot of the ball but it didn't create most of the chances let's not record any stats let's anyway let's let's just forget data exists let's watch it no i mean and jules is getting a bit salty there but it's not it's not about saying stats don't matter it's about saying you can bang on all season you if you want about how spurs create better chances if you don't put them away it really doesn't matter and I'd the two things. One, completely agree with that, Jim. At the end of the day, finishing from big opportunities. Like, if I look back at that Liverpool game, I think the, there's a moment when Mane spins Aurea in the second half and he hits the bar. Apart from that, I, I can't remember them having what I would consider a clear goal scoring chance, right? But they've won via a deflection and a corner. And we had Son in the first half. Bergvine in the second, and then the Harry Kane header. So we've had three clear cut chances to their one, but we have not won that game. So I completely agree. At the end of the day, it comes down to on this occasion finishing in those in those clutch moments. 
and and that is why this Liverpool team are so good. They are they they are they are such a clutch team. Is it going back to that ninety six percent in in one in one way? Is that like whenever I watch Liverpool play, I sort of switch between thinking that a five year old could play at centre back for them, and you have to be absolutely world class <laughs> because they have the ball for absolutely long periods. But then, how many times were their centre backs isolated? Um, yeah, we had Sun and Bergwijn getting in behind them on more than one occasion. There's nothing wrong with our tactics, I don't think. Ultimately, the reason we weren't successful was through uh, individual performances. I don't want to sound uh, too down on, particularly on the first half performance. I sound sound like I'm being uber critical. I'm not, because I did say at half-time, Spurs went with a game plan, which involved sitting deep and not not holding a lot of the ball. And Mm. it wasn't necessarily pretty on the eye, but it did work. And so... I'm not massively down on it. It's just that when you do that, you do take a risk. Make it a bit more positive. We talk about Sonny's goal. Yeah, it was a class finish. Uh, I rate Alisson. I think, obviously, I think he is one of the, the best goalkeepers in the league by quite a fair bit. But he left himself open to the near post. He really sold that to Son and it, it, he made it look easy for him in the end. Was there any moment you didn't think he was going to score? Well, um, there wasn't, no. But that's because it didn't take a moment. It was like, <laughs> one minute it's Thanks, in Amazon. Yeah, one minute it's in the um in the Spurs third, and next minute, bang, goal. Obviously the best move of the game from either side, but I was just the execution on it was absolutely perfect. First 15, 20 minutes of that second mm. half, we were playing the way that I wish we'd started the game. Helped with having Suzuka more in field and Chelsea looked but yeah, we, we were sort of actually putting a bit of pressure on the centre backs and isolating them, which we touched on earlier. Uh no, I think I think the second half the key thing that really changed for me was that we came out, we were maybe 20, 20 feet higher up the pitch and we won our second balls. Yeah, I think one of the biggest changes we saw Bergwijn step in and playing closer to uh, Son and Kane. And like you said, uh, we were winning the second balls and him being closer to them made that far more possible. I think the reason it stopped was Trent Alexander, um, Alexander-Arnold finally realised that, wait a minute, he never defends. What, why is he starting to defend now? And he started pushing <laughs> us back. <laughs> it, did, it did give me that worrying football can sometimes be boiled down to just such a simple kind of game and momentum. And when we had the Bergwijn chance, obviously he, he hits the post and I think he does so much of that finish right, but just doesn't quite, you know, get that, get that last bit. He didn't, he didn't ruin the chance or anything, but he, he does so much of it right. It doesn't he work out. The chance, he missed. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, he hits the post. I think he, you know, I, I, I can see what he's doing. He misses one before, he's and then, he's, he's trying to score. And then he, but then, he, and then he has I'm not the, allowing his excuses for him. And then he has the Harry. Sorry, and then you have the Harry Kane header from you know five five Point yards, which is, which which is so unlucky as well because in that instance, the the kind of the the smart thing to do is just get the header going downwards and usually it's either in or it'll bounce up into the goal. He somehow managed to get it so downwards that it bounced over the bar. <laughs> From that angle, was was quite a feat of, uh, feat of sort of geometry. Um, You'd but, absolutely put your house on that going in, wouldn't you? You would if you could afford a house anyway. <laughs> hash, hash, hashtag we're all millennials. So. If it makes people feel any better, I'd gladly bet my landlord's house on Harry Kane goal. Just, just <laughs> increases know, the jeopardy a bit. Jim, as a Jim, as a kind of third, you know, a, a neutral party, did you feel? I, I felt that sense of rising dread when we didn't score. Once we once we got to like seventy minutes plus, 
I had this worrying sense of like, that, that was the moment to have a 2-1 win. It would have been another same, uh, sorry, Son Kane, um, it might as well be Sane at this stage, uh, Son Kane connection from the corner as well. And then that doesn't happen. And I just think, shit. Did you have that impression? Yeah, um, with all this house chat, all we need is Dion Dublin to turn up now, don't we? And it would basically completed the internet. Um, (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, I I agree with that entirely. I think Spurs started the second half really positively and played like you want an away side to play when you're at the champions who have this formidable record. But you, you do often get this window of opportunity and it did feel for 15 minutes or so like the pendulum swung slightly towards Tottenham. I mentioned on the chat at about, I think it was about 70 minutes that Liverpool then started to turn the screw again. And we got not quite like it was in the first half because Liverpool had this raggedness about them and like this, this sense that they knew they needed to score and they weren't keeping the ball as well. But what they were doing was taking a shot, getting a deflection, picking up the second ball, recycling it over and over again. And so you, you just got the sense that Spurs would be quite happy to put up with that for 20 minutes. But the question was, can you keep them out? And when you look at Liverpool's record over this season, I think they've done it against, well, they definitely did it against West Ham and I think they did it against Leeds. Leeds, that was it. Last minute against Leeds or 88th minute or something. They just have this way and they can go through the gears in a way that not many teams can. And uh, clutch. It's as simple yeah. as that. My fear was that you, when you're not in possession, it's difficult mentally, but it's also difficult physically, isn't it? Because you, as long as you've got the ball, it doesn't really matter. You don't tire when you're in possession the same. And when you're chasing mm. the ball and you're having to think about marking your man at, like every five seconds, it's just exhausting. Um, did so, did but, you think, um, just on that point about it being tiring, I watched the City game last night, <laughs> which will not be going down in the, <laughs> in the kind of the glory books as a, as a great viewing. Congratulations, um, Slavin Bilic. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but one thing if I always anyone noticed... wanted evidence of a pre-planned sacking, go and get a result and a listen. Bollocks. When Sam Allardyce is available, you go for him. When I watched the City game last night, one of the things I noticed is that the possession is quite often, even though City dominate the ball, it's quite often around their back line. And I felt in that little spell with Liverpool 70 minutes onwards... I thought Curtis Jones in particular, but him and Wijnaldum, they just started to really pick up the ball in pockets just behind Sissoko and and Hoiberg and just forcing that little bit back. I think that's how they they kind of applied that pressure. It's like a boxer with a jab. Like they just applied that pressure. They just forced us a little bit further back, boxed us in a little bit. And then that pressure leads to kind of those kind of clutch moments in games where it's a case of, do you have that little bit of something about you? Yeah, I think Curtis Jones is, uh, is a great prospect. I think we've talked before offline about the difference between good possession and bad possession. And City play a particular brand of football, which I think often falls into the bad possession category, where they have the ball for the ball's sake, but they don't do anything with it and they don't particularly try to do anything with it. Whereas what we saw from Liverpool tonight was them being purposeful with the ball, how much of the game was played just in front of the 18-yard box? I'd be fascinated Mm. to know because it's about just recycling the ball with real purpose and energy. And that's kind of trying to create openings rather than just 
retaining possession. And I think I don't think anybody should be on a downer with Spurs about the way that they performed and reacted to that because you were playing one of the world's best sides at a place where they've not lost for nearly four years. Liverpool are a very good team on the ball and the way we played makes them look fantastic. So I don't want, like, I want to make sure that we, it needs to be appreciated that we weren't demolished by this, this great football inside. For most of the, most of the side, most of the game, we held them at bay. Um, I, like I said before, the tactic, nothing wrong with it. It was just that um, in decisive moments, the players didn't step up in the same way they did against City and the same way they did against Arsenal. They um, knew how we were going to play when we, hmm. when we, before we'd even got there because we'd done it in most of the, or three of the four games leading up to it. So they do deserve a lot of credit for knowing that where the counter-attacking threat would be. It's not just that we're going to counter, it's how we do that. Uh, and I thought they were really good at nullifying that. Uh, and even when we reacted in the second half, again, they turned the screw and it was about, as Jules said, about the 70-minute mark and they shut it out again. And they do deserve um, a hell of a lot of credit for that. I think they're the best. I mean, at the end of the day, I think they're probably the best all-round team in football. But at, but at the same time, conceding a set-piece goal in the 90th minute like that Mm-hmm. is an absolute kick in the gonads. From behind, there's, there's just a little sh- push in the back with the shoulder to knock over Dyer, and then Dyer's down, and then it's two marking three. The only argument that you can make is whether, you know, the only question is whether or not you think that that was a foul. I think it's a bit irrelevant because the ball's gone in. I suppose it's a question of the, um, the gamesmanship, isn't it? You, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Jules, about having not particularly having a problem with gamesmanship. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's fine, but you have to accept then that if you give it out, sometimes it happens to you. Yeah. And well, they scored. We lost. There's no shame in losing, as we said. Yeah. We, we dust ourselves off and we go again. Uh, but Tom, before the Manchester City game, if I had told you that we'd be three points off top after the Liverpool game, you would have snapped my hand off, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'd all do well to remember that, not just us four. Um, our listener as well. Because uh, <laughs> look at it this way. The, how we, People will say, well, how are we going to claw these three points back? Because Liverpool are building momentum. They started slowly, but they're, they're just looking stronger and stronger. They still managed to drop points up for them, thankfully. But ultimately, they've got to come back to our gaff and players again. But bearing in mind, at the start of the season, no Spurs fans went, yeah, title. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> None of us said that. We all just went, I'll take top four. I'll take it now. How much do you want for it? Yeah. I think people are getting carried away because everyone started slowly and because no one's taken the ball by the horns they think that Spurs should do it because we've been the most pragmatic you know in a way I think Mourinho's style of football lends itself to be quite you know you, you feel quite good in the in the toughest games because of the way he plays and actually it's been quite a fun little run we've had here <laughs> um, but it's now this run of games where we are going to be the the kind of the expected dominant team and we need to turn these into three points. That's absolutely spot on. Um, I just wanted to, before we completely move on from, from Liverpool, I just wanted to make a quick note on Jurgen Klopp's bitching about injuries and subs as he has been all season. <laughs> there was one change made to this side from the one that played at Fulham just a few days ago and he didn't make a sub. He tried to make one at the end, he didn't make a single sub. 
I get he's trying to build a us against the world mentality. Jose's done it at several sides, but at some point, we've got to just say, shut the fuck up, man. Just a quick, quick thing that's a, it's a massive oversimplification, but I'm just interested. I was thinking this game, right, Spurs tonight played a particular brand of football that nearly worked, but didn't quite, came away with a two one defeat. No real shame in that. But this is who Spurs are now, and it's a, a quite a big departure from the Poch area where the football was substantially nicer on the eye and probably a lot more enjoyable, but the results weren't particularly great either. Are you happier watching a side that isn't as enjoyable to watch but is more likely to get results? Or do you still miss that sense of being a, a really good footballing side? A similar conversation with my Liverpool supporting fan. He put it to me that, how can you be happy watching this? He's, it's such bad football. And I said to him, I don't disagree. It's obviously not a great watch. But for me, the point is we're not in a position to complain anymore. A club like Spurs shouldn't be going 12 years without any form of silverware. And we've seen some you know, exciting times under Redknapp. Uh, AVB was sort of carried by a good season by Gareth Bale. Uh, but obviously Poch was so good on the eye. But we've got nothing to show for it, ultimately. And unfortunately, that's how we measure football. We're no longer in a position to complain about the beauty of our football because we we have to give it a go. We have to try it. Uh, And okay, if it doesn't bear fruit, then, you know, Mourinho would do his classic three-year tenure. I disagree for two reasons. The main being, just for my personal pleasure, I I would rather right now if you swap the kits, be watching Leeds play and be getting Leeds results than ours. Because I, I prefer watching the game rather than... I, I don't care about, about the trophy, to be honest with you. Um, and the one thing I'd say is, like, we talk about, you know, you talk about kind of, oh, looking back at the end of the day and what do you have to show for over 12 years? Well, talk to Leeds fans about how they felt in the last two years under Leeds and what he's done there with Bielsa. Talk to Marseille fans about what he achieved at the Velodrome. I would rather watch that, but I'm not Daniel Levy. It's not my choice who, who is in charge of the team. But I, I personally, I would rather that we were seventh with Bielsa than third with Marie. The game is about... Are you telling me that it doesn't... Yeah, he's telling me it doesn't wind you up when an Arsenal fan says, well, we won the FA Cup. Uh, I don't know. It's just, but it's also, what does football mean to you, right? Mm. Like, like, for me, my enjoyment is watching the skill of the game, watching it played well. Like, I, I would prefer to see that, see my team doing that. In the 2006 World Cup, nobody was praising Italy for their style of play. But I cannot parallel any kind of euphoria with what I felt when we lifted the World Cup. You can play all the fantastic football you want. The moment we were declared champions of the world was just the best feeling football-wise that you will ever that I have ever had. Seeing Tottenham crowned champions of England for me that would be the absolute pinnacle. I don't care how we get there. I just want to see it once in my lifetime. I want to see Tottenham be champions. Do you not remember how bad you felt after that Champions League final? Jules, we watched it together and I don't <laughs> think we spoke to anyone for a matter of days. Not <laughs> helpful the fact we watched it with an Arsenal fan. And you've got to bear in mind, in the run-up to that, that season and the rest of the, the Champions League run-up to there was, it was essentially a fairy tale fluke. We hadn't been playing well all year, really. And frankly, it led to Poch's ultimate demise. But had we won that 
game, we wouldn't have won it in a very sexy way. It would have been a real <laughs> underdog story. Not properly, not like a dodgeball story. No. Like, you know, it was probably on the balance of it. Not really deserved. Um, I'm but really, you would have been European champions. And but that, I that's what you live for. When it's your club, I get the love of the game. I love the art of the game. I don't disagree with you. But when it's your club, it's fundamentally down to results. I asked because I was having a similar conversation yesterday. And I think it's about the intersection between results, expectation and performance. I think if you're like a mid-table side and you know that you're going to be mid-table anyway and you get, you know, let's say you're Villa, for example, and you get in Jose and suddenly Villa go from being 12th to being 8th, but the football's crap, whereas under Dean Smith it might be a bit more exciting, then I can see how they might get disillusioned. Whereas if you're, like with Spurs now, the expectation is to win a trophy, so it's about whether you make that sacrifice. Yeah, football's personal to everyone, so I, I get we're all going to have our different reasons yeah. and we feel different things for different reasons. Moving away from Spurs slightly, Sam Allardyce appointed West Brom manager um, today. My first thought when I saw that is, should he have waited another 24 hours and just got the Arsenal job instead? <laughs> Do you think that's going to happen? I think Arteta will go at some point, yeah, because I think they're in serious trouble. Um, I, don't, I don't think they would hire, hire no, him. No, I was That's joking. The thing. I was, uh, thanks for explaining the joke, Jules. Um, <laughs> the, um, the other thing was, tomorrow, uh, the day after this game, is Sheffield United, Man United, um, which also, fun fact, happened to be the first ever Premier League game as well. Only one side has ever had fewer points than Sheffield United after 12 games of a season in the top flight. Do you know who it was? Derby, oh eight. Is it in the, uh, in the history of football? Yeah. Right. West Brom. Not West Brom. Dockport. <laughs> Been in the top flight, mate. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Oldham or someone. Man United. Yeah. Only wow. side ever to have zero points after 12 games. Let's hope they get back there. <laughs> Anyway, we've got Leicester at the weekend. Um, it's a strange conundrum we'll have to face a counter-attacking, counter-attacking team when we are a counter-attacking team. So it's just going to be two, 11 sets of men staring at each other for 90 minutes, potentially. Jules, what do you think we're going to get out of that picture? I think that, that, that we seemed quite... Uh, I still think we played reasonably well tonight. I think it's most likely a draw. Um, I, think, I think one all. I, I think both teams will be quite afraid of the reaction if they lose. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna win. I think we're gonna go two 0 I think this one um, we get a reaction from Spurs with it being at home. And I, to be honest, I don't think Leicester or all that. Um, so I'll go for three um, one. Mm. Yeah, they can't really defend that well. So two one Spurs. Fuck it. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, something a bit different today. Uh, getting some instant reaction from the Liverpool result. We promise you it's back to normal uh, next week after the Leicester game. See you then.